Bruce Newberry. The food dude. At the Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival, a vintner's dinner, it's called Vive la France. It's going to be at, of course, the lovely and uh, just striking Rosecliff dining room. And on the line with me to talk about it, maybe give a little preview, is our friend, uh, Chef Robert Siska from Bistro du Midi in Boston. Robert, nice to talk with you again. Nice to talk to you, Bruce. Always, always be a hope glad to be on the show. Hey, uh, my great pleasure, and it's nice to find you in Boston, back there at Bistro du Midi. And uh, you're one of a team that's going to be doing this Vintner's Dinner. Why don't we uh, give the lineup? Who else do we have? Um, you have six great chefs, you know, five, including myself, and, you know, some of them. I've worked very close with, closely with. Uh, could be a first time cooking with some of the other chefs. But uh, Chef Anthony Cole is a good friend and a chef that I worked with uh, last summer. I did a great, uh, great dinner out in Chatham, which is absolutely incredible. What a beautiful location, beautiful right. place. That Chatham and, uh, bar's in you know, legendary. Oh, yeah, absolutely beautiful, breathtaking, the views there. And, and then, uh, uh, Laurent Monrique, another great chef, who um, my old uh, mentor, Chef Eric Repair, and him are very close friends. And we've done dinners probably over 15 years ago, so it'll be a long time since I've worked with him. Nice. He is out. He's coming from Cafe de la Presse in San Francisco. So uh, very, yeah, very exciting. Long way. Right. Uh, we have Christopher Curtin from Eclat Chocolate in Philadelphia. And yep. Daniel Skernick from Le Cuckoo in New York City. And uh, a neighbor chef of yours, Michelle Bolin from Oak and Rowan there in Boston. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, it's going to be a great lineup of chefs. It's going to be a great night. It's going to be a great night. Now, things are going to start off with uh, some caviar and champagne right on the terrace, which will be, of course, just so, so striking. And uh, I'm reading a very, very impressive wine list. I mean, talk about name dropping here, Chef Chateauneuf de Pop and uh, Sauterne Bazac and Charles Heisdeck and uh, gosh, just so many. But I'm not seeing a whole lot about the menu. What's <laughs> are there going to be some surprises? Yeah, you know it's going to be an incredible lineup. Um, the menu is going to be great. All the chefs are you know putting together some of their best dishes to pair with the wines. And all of um, work with closely with some of the the beverage team there. Todd Lippman is a good friend slash yeah. colleague of mine who we work closely together. So you know we send them the menu. You know kind of pick apart you know what we should do, what we shouldn't do, and. You know, it all comes together, and it'll be a great surprise for people to see when they get there. So what are you thinking about coming up with, as long as we have you on the line? Yep, so I'm, I am the second course, and I am doing, doing uh, the Philippe uh, Marcel Burgundy, which is actually one of my one of my favorites. So I am putting together a bluefin tuna crudo dish with uh, Santa Barbara uni, which is kind of like an east meets west crudo, which yeah. is one, some of my favorites. Nice. So it's going to be a uh, style of crudo, so mm-hmm. uh, like a sashimi presentation uh, with a little bit of fresh wasabi, a black garlic dashi. Um, it's going to be going to be awesome. Oh, nice! Bowl flavors. You like crudo? Uh, when we had uh, had you on last at your restaurant, uh, you had done a, a crudo type dish for us, and uh, so is that a is that a go to for you? Yeah, anything pretty much seafood. Um, I believe the last time I was on your show was a Earl Grey cured salmon. That's right. Benedict. It was a br- it was a brunch dish that we did on the show. So that was a little bit cool. It was cooked, but it was still lightly lightly cured. Uh, crudo style but yeah crudo is definitely some of my favorites uh to work with it's 
you know, when you have such great fish here in New England and to really showcase the fish and really uh, get the good flavor of it, you know, I think that's one of my favorite preparations. You're really going to kick it up. You've got garlic. You've got some some heat coming on there. Uh, and how yeah. is all that going to pair with that wonderful uh, Mirso Burgundy? Oh, it's just going to be perfect. I mean, the creaminess of the Santa Barbara uni is also just going to... It's just going to bring it all together with the wine. Very nice. Yeah, you know what? I, I didn't mean to leave out the uni, and I, <laughs> I certainly was unintentional. But yeah, that's going to be that's going to be great. Wow. So we've got French wine, we've got uh, West Coast uni, East Coast bluefin tuna. Uh, they're running, of course, and so we've got yeah. seasonality uh, really to a fair thee well. So what's on your menu these days at Bistro de Midi, Chef? Oh, we got lots of different things going on. As we were just saying, uh, seafood is definitely. Um, a big passion of mine, but we're actually at Bistro. We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary. Wow. Coming up in November. Yeah, 10 full years Bistro has been open, which is great for you know any restaurant, especially in the higher-end caliber restaurants. So we're actually going to start bringing back some original classics, uh, but fun in a little bit of a different way to kind of showcase how the restaurant has evolved in 10 years. You know, because we were a very classic Bistro in the beginning, like Croque Madame, um, Wall Streets, and all dishes that we still have on the menu but we're going to showcase them in a little bit of a different way for the next few months. Wow, isn't that so, so impressive? And people love that. I mean, to do a throwback menu like that, that just resonates with so many people. Yeah, it's just a, again, it's a great way to showcase how we've evolved over 10 years from, from November 2009 to November 2019. It's going to be... Um, it's gonna be great to see, and you know we have a lot of people that have been here for almost the full time, and it's 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 pretty special. Terrific, and uh, so many f- of your friends are gonna be so glad to that you're here with us in Newport. Uh, what are you looking forward to at this Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival? I mean, we've got this spectacular vintners dinner, but that's just one part of the whole weekend. What else are you kind of thinking of that you you don't want to miss? I mean, the grand tasting on the weekends are always great. Saturdays and Sundays events, you get to see, um, you know, instead of just seeing about five or six chefs in one dinner, you get to see probably close to 20, 25 and walk around, taste a bunch of good wine. And, you know, knock on wood, the weather, the weather every year at Newport for the wine is always amazing. It's Isn't that amazing? Not too the... hot, not, yes. not too hot, not too cold. It's just like right when fall hits and, you know, it's... It's just amazing. Well, we're so glad that you're part of it. How can we find out more about what's going on at Bistro du Midi? And of course, the website, bistrodumidi.com, is always a great way to catch up with all the stuff. Our menus are always on there. Um, we have lots of ta- new seasonal tasting menus always coming out. And, um, yeah, so we're always looking to have fun with the menu items and, you know, have, have showcase a great experience here. Well, great. And congratulations on a great run and many, many more years. And it's so great to have you cooking with us here at the 14th Annual Newport Mansions Wine and Food Festival. Chef Robert Siska, Bistro du Midi in Boston. Great to talk to you. Thanks very, very much. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. All right, so here we are. It's Bruce Newberry with Ted Caruso's, but we can't call it a TED Talk. And we're here at the Blue Play Diner. Well, Ted, welcome to fall. I know. It's my favorite time of the year. Mine too. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, ready for a new season. Ready for crisp weather. And it's diner season, isn't it? It is. You know, it 
it's funny because everybody loves a diner, but it seems to have even more of a, a, a love affair in the in the fall. The crisp, cold air in the morning makes you want to have like a hearty breakfast, flapjacks, pancakes, French toast, you know, stick to your rib, good comfort food. And that's kind of what you get here uh, 24-7. So, so we're very, very excited. And, and people get back into their routines with school back in session and, and stuff. So we'd love to have you come on down, hang out at the bar, hang out at the counter and, uh, and kind of reacquaint yourself back into a rhythm, I think. That's it. And, you know, whatever time of day you're in the mood for breakfast, you can come out here to the Blue Plate Diner because we have the all-day brunch menu. I know, right. So people always are asking me, hey, do you have breakfast? And I'm saying, what diner doesn't have breakfast all day long? <laughs> you know, we, That's what makes a diner a diner. It is. That that and, and good old uh, hearty comfort food. So, um, you know, what should a diner do well? It should do breakfast all day well. It should have really good hamburgers, good quality on-the-griddle hamburgers. And, and it really should do like the meatloafs and the pot pies and, and the fresh turkey dinners all really well. And, and I, I kind of like to think we pride ourselves on being able to do that. Well, that's it. And, you know, I had it happen the other day. A friend of mine said, hey, I'm in the mood for breakfast. And it was about two o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, it's time for lunch, but I'm in the mood for breakfast. Blue Plate Diner. What a great idea. And so whatever time of day you're in the mood for breakfast, you come out here and you get the great service. You sit at the counter. What can I get for you? Right, that and hopefully they all get to know your name if you come in uh, enough. Sometimes I laugh because the cooks will start the food before uh, before you actually sit down. They see you pulling in and you say you're a regular. And then you go and change it on us. That, that's always a good one. They're, they're like, what? This is extra. All right. The wait staff love it because they get to eat all the extras. <laughs> you know, that's a, a good bit of advice, maybe a pro tip. Do you Do you stay with your usual or do you change it up? I know that that's always the thing and it's kind of like the cooks are trying to expedite and help out and kind of move you along because we know people are always in a hurry um, but sometimes it's fun to just kind of change it up you know especially as like and this is the perfect time because the seasons are changing so you know so should some of your habits I sure you don't make it easy because there are so many great choices so you say well am I going to have a skillet am I going to have a benedict am I going to have pancakes what am- <laughs> it's always choices well you know choice is good and even though our, our menu is big, it's a little bit smaller. We've made it slightly smaller uh, just so that we can keep the product fresher and, and, and move things right along. Um, but the seasonality is the big thing. So, so we'd love to have you come on down. It is diner season here at the Blue Plate Diner. We'll see you soon. Let us talk tailgating. And on the line with me is our tailgating 101 chef, George Duran. Chef, nice to have you with us. Thanks for having me on, Bruce. Great, great pleasure. We, we think a lot about tailgating. And, uh, you know, it's it sounds so appealing. It's always so much fun. Is there one thing that makes it a great tailgate, Chef? Yeah, you know, you, I think you want to go beyond the chips and the dips. And I have a few items here I think you're going to absolutely love. Okay, so I want to start impressing my guests. And what I like to cook are tasty creamer potatoes from the Little Potato Company. So these are a crowd-pleasing veggie, and they're prepared in a snap. You can uh, They come in oven grill or microwave-ready kits, complete with a seasoning pack, uh, in one and a half or three-pound bag. So imagine this. It's, it's the last second, and you want to uh, oven grill or microwave these little packs of potatoes, and instantly they're ready. So you don't have to wash them. You don't have to peel them. They cook in minutes. You can focus on the game and do what you love most. Uh, I, today I made a double-stuffed buffalo ranch potatoes by grilling the potatoes. Ooh. Or you can steam, microwave, or boil the potatoes and make jalapeno potato poppers. Remember, these are not baby potatoes. They're fully matured little potatoes mm. packed with vitamins, minerals, gluten-free, buttery flavor, velvety texture. They're found on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Little Potato Co. or littlepotatoes.com forward slash 
tailgate. Tons of recipes there, too. Oh, boy, that sounds good. So you could use the any of the little potatoes. So you could go to uh, your Dave's Marketplace and get uh, the little uh, the little Yukon Golds or uh, the little red potatoes, things like that, right? Yeah, they have fingerling, red yeah, blitz. fingerling, that's potatoes. what I was trying to think Quite of. Quite a variety yes. of, these babies, of these baby potatoes. And you know what I like to do when I go tailgating? I actually like to pre-cook these potatoes, either microwave them or steam them, but usually microwaving them with their season packets. Mm-hmm. And then because they're cooked, um, I, the next day I skewer them and then I just grill them to give them a little bit of a crisp because they're already cooked from the microwave beforehand. And now I have grilled potato kebabs. Oh, man, that sounds good. Does that sound good, Chef George Duran? We're tailgating with Chef George Duran today. Well, uh, all right, we, we, uh, we can't fill up on potatoes. What else do you have? All right, so here's a great invention by Reynolds Wrap. So it allows you to create a wall in your slow cooker so now you have two dips in one. So what you do is you mold a sheet of heavy-duty aluminum foil by Reynolds. You divide it up, turn it into a wall in the middle of it, and then you put their slow cooker liners, two of them, one on each half, and now you have two different flavored dips in one slow cooker, like nacho cheese on one, spinach dip in the other, or nice. spicy in one and mild in the other. And the best part is the fast and easy cleanup, eight seconds guaranteed. You can avoid that dreaded slow cooker soak and scrub. Um, <laughs> it's made of heat-resistant nylon, no plastic, and it's BPA-free. So it's, it's an absolute genius move on Reynolds to invent this and have two different slow cookers in one, pretty much. Oh, man, how great is that? Because space is always at a premium. Only, I mean, there are tailgaters who are really serious about the whole thing and show up with tractor trailers and every other thing, but most of us are going to tailgate out of the back of an SUV or something. And so uh, we have to have room for, you know, the cooler and, and stuff like that. So uh, one slow cooker doing twice the work. Oh, man, that is uh, a genius tip. You're absolutely right, Chef George. Yeah, and it's more than also about if you do a tailgating party or even just hosting a, a football game at home. You already have that slow cooker, and everybody just has one, so why not divide it in two? But I want to talk about now the main course for me. It's the star player in my winning tailgating menu. It's New Zealand, New Zealand grass-fed beef and lamb. Mm. Now, New Zealand is home to the world's best, most natural-tasting beef and lamb. Uh, these animals are grass-fed year-round. They're allowed to roam and graze freely over lush green hills and pastures. So the result is a leaner, finely textured, flavorful meat that tastes just as nature intended it. So you can impress your guests and make recipes like uh, mouth-watering beef tacos or tender lamb kebabs. Change it up. Add some uh, uh, from some of your favorite toppings or uh, how about some fresh produce with the colors of your team around it. You can pretty much discover the taste of New Zealand grass-fed beef and lamb by going to Beef and Lamb NZ as in New Zealand. BeefandLambNZ.com. They have tons of recipes and even a way to find a retailer near you. Well, yeah, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm with you up to the point of of produce in the team colors because we got a lot of Patriots fans around here. So that would be blue and white and red. Yeah. Red and white, we can do okay. What are we going to bring in for blue? Man, this is amazing. So you know what I do? I make a barbecue sauce with the blueberries, and it oh. comes out bright gorgeous deep blue and those blueberries add a little bit of tanginess and sweetness i'm telling you you serve some of my blueberry barbecue sauce with any of this lamb or beef from new zealand oh they will be so happy brilliant chef george now we can find recipes where you can find them at beefandlambnz.com or littlepotatoes.com forward slash tailgate all right and when we say tailgate we've talked in the past you know it can be home gate it can be couch gate and it uh, (laughs) (laughs) office gate who knows yeah sure sure I like it, Chef George. <laughs> hey, Chef George Duran, he's uh, all over food TV, and uh, you've seen him a bunch of different places. And, uh, boy, in the space of a few minutes, you've given us some great ideas, and those games are going to be 
be uh, even more enjoyable. Thanks for the tailgating 101, Chef. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be on. For us parents, the end of the workday signals the beginning of our other full-time job, the care and feeding of our family. When everybody comes home and everybody's hungry, you can smile when you hear those three little words, what's for dinner? Because you know you've got gas bars on hand. Gaspar's Linguisa and Chudis, an easy and delicious meal starring your family's favorite. Gaspar's is just what you and your family need after your hard day. Made with lean cuts of quality meats and authentic natural spices, Gaspar's lends a special flavor to so many of your family's favorites. Spaghetti, chili, pizza, sandwiches, omelets, baked beans, soups, so much more. Gaspar's comes in slices, franks, cocktail bites, and the traditional sausage. And Gaspar's Linguisa and Churis are readily available at all major supermarkets. For all the flavor with less fat and calories, try Gaspar's Turkey Linguisa and Churis. Gaspar's for over 95 years. It's the Portuguese sausage that the whole world can enjoy. It's the 50th anniversary of McGrath Clam Bakes, and that calls for a celebration. So how do you celebrate? Let's throw a clam bake. So here to talk about that is the man himself, the bake master, T.R. McGrath. Good to see you. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Beautiful day out here at the fort, huh? Beautiful here at the fort. It is uh, a perfect day, and... It should be a, a great, great day and a great evening for you to uh, commemorate 50 years. 50 years of McGrath Clam Base. Congratulations. Yeah, quite, quite amazing. Um, interesting that the, the bridge, obviously, is uh, 50 years this year right. as well. And, and my father always said that he felt that the opening of the bridge really was the springboard for McGrath Clam Bakes as well. Is that right? Yeah, you know, with the with the bridge and the the ability for for people to now get to Newport, I, you know, it seems that tourism really exploded then, or started to kick off. And my grandfather had done clam bakes. Obviously, he he taught my father how to do it, and my grandfather did it rather casually. Um, he was sort of the go-to guy around town. Okay, he just knew how to put one on and knew the knew the procedures and right. such. And he. And he had his crew of friends that would that would help him out, um, but but he taught my father how to do it, and uh, and really 1969 is what what we use as the founding year of McGrath Clam Bakes. Yeah. So who decided that you could make a living at it? Was it your father or your grandfather? Um, I would say my father. Yeah. He had the foresight to really turn it into a to a business. It's it's an amazing thing, and it is one of those one of those skills that not everybody has because there's a lot to it there is there's there's not many people around that know the traditional side of doing the old the old-fashioned clam bake right the, the true method where, where does it start does it start with the clams or does it start with the fire or, wh- or where does it start i see where you're going with that is a chicken and an egg kind of question huh? it kind of is right <laughs> um really in the preparation you you gotta you gotta gather wood rock um, actually, we have an event today. We have a crew out right now picking seaweed. Yeah. Um, all of those things you need before you can get to the food. You so. do. Do you need a particular kind of rock? We use granite fieldstone. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, a lot of people think of, obviously, a beach clam bake. If you were to gather the stones that are on a beach, they have a lot of moisture in them, so they would actually explode in your fire. So, so we get quarry rock. Gotcha. Really works well for us interesting and one thing i found out is that you can't reuse the rock 
Uh, actually, you can, you can a couple of times. Uh, they, okay. they start to split and break up. If, if so you're using quarry-type rock, that would kind of make sense. Right. We might get two or three runs out of them. Okay. So then, and, and the rocks really do more of the work than perhaps we realize. Right. You're, a lot of people think it's the coals or when, when you compare it to, say, barbecue. Yes. Where you're, you're always feeding wood chips or something. Um, we're just using our fire to heat our stones. Right. And the stones are the heat source pretty much throughout the cooking process. And then the, the seaweed comes in where? The seaweed. So we do our fire to heat our stones. And then the stones are the base for the clam bake. And the seaweed goes on top of that, and of course. Not every, just any seaweed. That's right. Every, the locals around here, of course, we call it rockweed. Yes. That's the type with the bubbles in it. And uh, so that seaweed goes down, and it's interesting. Right when we put it on those, those hot stones, all the bubbles start to burst. It almost sounds like popcorn, you know. And, uh, and then you, you can instantly see what's about to happen. It's the salt water that's in the seaweeds and the stones. All of a sudden, you get the steam going. You have the heat, and that's what—that's what's really cooking the food—is really that steam, and that's what you you get a lot of the flavor from as well. That's the fine point I think that is really really fascinating to me about how the clam bake mechanism works. You say, well, you know, you get the fire going, well, the fire burns down. Well, no, it's the stones. Well, it's the weed, and it's actually the steam that does the cooking the steam that's created by that rockweed that's full of the seawater bubbles. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you unveil your clam bake, obviously there's a huge cloud of steam. Yes. Because we cover all the food in with canvas, and it, it keeps that steam intact, just like a tight-fitting lid on a, on a stock pot. But there's one moment, isn't there, when the bake master knows when things are ready? Oh, absolutely. It takes a lot of years to have that moment. It's, you just <laughs> have the eye. You just have the sense, yeah. don't you? Uh, there, there are a lot of different factors that go into it. You could have a rainy day, a cool day, uh, and and that is a little different than, you know, your beautiful sunny, eighty degree sure. summer day. So, and we have to do it, you know, rain or shine. So, of course, so there's a few little tricks out there. A few there. tricks of the trade. What makes a real clam bake? I like to say that the and that's a source of debate, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. Um, I like to say that the clam bake is kind of like a Thanksgiving meal. You know, if I go to your house, we're all going to have a few of the staples that will be the same at Thanksgiving. We're going to have the turkey and the mashed potatoes. So just like in clam bake, you expect to see, obviously, clams, lobster, usually corn, potato. We put shrimp in ours. We'll, we'll do fish sometimes, onion. Some people put chicken in it. So it can vary. You know, it's just like your family Thanksgiving tradition. There you go. That's an excellent analogy. And I know that, again, there are some, some debate points there. People say, well, you have to have lobster. People say, well, you have to have this kind of sausage, or you have to do this type of uh, of hot dog, or this kind of fish, or something like that. And like you say, it's Thanksgiving. There there is no real wrong ingredient in a clam bake. You do have to have clams. Yeah, I, I think clams are, it's in the name, I An guess you Almost could say. absolute it's in the name. must, yes. Yeah. Although you'll oftentimes, uh, the McGrath clam bakes I've been to, you have mussels. Yeah, so, we, so we'll do clams, mussels. That's one item I, I forgot to mention. Absolutely, you know, a little more variety. Right, right. And then off you go, and it is just a feast, and you enjoy, and uh, everybody is happy, and there's just nothing like it. Yeah, it's it's a true sort of feast where you need a lot of people to put it on, and then 
such a big meal. You need a lot of people there to eat. Yes. Yes. You don't just have a clam bake for one or two. No. no. <laughs> it's just not, the, not quite the same. Really interesting stuff. And it's one of those types of, of cuisines, really, that comes in a very, very special heading. And that's where I first met you was someone decided that they were going to go across the country and do a video collection of all of these different types of, of these types of feasts. And the guy came up with a good name, Contraption Cuisine. Right. So because you need apparatus, you can't just you don't just do a clam bake in a, on your grill. It's something else or in a pot. It's it's something else. You need the rocks and the seaweed and the rockweed and the canvas and, and all of this other stuff. And in other in other parts of the country there are similar things they don't have clam bakes in the south but they'll have barbecue or they'll have a crawfish boil or in other parts of the country they'll do a fish fry a steak fry a bean hole bake uh they'll do uh, that uh, that thing in in uh, kind of central new york where they do the chicken on the skewers they call them speedies and they have a special kind of a rack that they use to to cook those so it's it's not quite the it's not just the same thing as you throwing a piece of chicken on your on your grill, but all of these contraption cuisines. Yeah, and even more so than that, it's you know the clam bake is really an indigenous style of cooking. Yes. And if you look at more so than say southern barbecue, if you really look at Hawaii, you know they they have in Hawaii obviously a luau, or in New Zealand it's a hungi. Um, you know you really look at some indigenous cultures that. They figured out how to use the resources that were around them to create a, a giant feast. And obviously it would be for some type of special event, you would think. You know, if you're going to do a luau in Hawaii, you're probably going to have 100 people. Or maybe it was the whole village at that time. So it was a true feast. That's a great point. And we, we I think, have learned that today, that you have to have a crowd of people. So all of your friends and all of your relatives, you need them for a successful clam bake. And if there's anybody that knows a successful clam bake, it's T.R. McGrath, because McGrath Clam Bakes has been doing them for, for 50 years. Always in this area, or have you, have you traveled with a bake? What's the furthest away that you've done a bake? Well, uh, in the 50-year history, my, my father's done a couple in Florida. I've been as far away as Philadelphia. Um, we were in New York last week. Wow. So, um, you know, of course, McGrath Clam Bakes and Catering, we do a lot of other uh, different cuisine. We are known for our specialty, which we're, we're very proud of. And often those, those road trips are, is when somebody really wants a traditional old-fashioned clam bakes. So. That's it. Is it. When you travel, is it, is it a New Englander that's looking to recreate a taste of home? Sometimes, yes, absolutely. And then uh, some just want the experience. They, it's something they've always heard of, and, and they want to bring us down to do it. So. Oh, man. Well, congratulations. Always great to talk to you, and we wish you the best. And another 50 if you want. That's fantastic. Bruce, thanks for having us. Great and pleasure. We're real excited about it. Us, too. Thanks very, very much indeed. And if you want to find out more about McGrath Clam Bakes and Catering, where can we go? Uh, right on the web, riclambake.com. Excellent. Thanks very, very much indeed. All of the best to you and all of the McGraths and clams everywhere. Thank Th you, Bruce. Thanks, TR, very, very much indeed. And uh, that is a taste of what is going on here at the fort. Bruce Newberry. The food dude.